Deceptions Podcast. Small Wonders with Laurel Moffat. Do you believe in ghosts? I have first-hand experience with them, but not the kind such a question usually brings to mind. Those more traditional specters, defined as a person's spirit or soul that shows up after death. According to a YouGov poll conducted in 2021, roughly 40% of people polled believe in this traditional sort of ghost, a spirit that shows up and haunts a person or place. And almost 20% of those polled believe that they've had an encounter with such a ghost. But that's not the kind I mean. I'm talking about the more current idea of a ghost, which is almost the opposite. Ghosts these days don't show up. Instead, we use the term to ghost to describe the actions of the living who decide to disappear from someone's life. In another poll about the experience of being ghosted, roughly the same percentage of people who say they believe in ghosts, 40%, have been ghosted by a friend. Other data suggests that this number climbs significantly for those in romantic relationships with 60% saying they have been ghosted and 45% saying they've done the ghosting. That's a lot of ghosts. The figures suggest that most of us have had some experience with a ghost. In fact, they suggest that many of us may even be the ghosts, that is, the ones doing the ghosting. We may be the ones not responding to texts, emails, calls. We may be the ones going silent, cold, indifferent. Ghosting doesn't just happen in friendships and dating relationships, of course. It also happens in families and workplaces. It looks different depending on the type of relationship, whether friend, family, lover, or colleague. But the end result is roughly the same. Absence. Silence. And the total lack of any explanation. 
While the term ghosting may be newfangled, the action of ghosting is anything but new. It's the old-fashioned silent treatment, but through more modern modes of communication. Text, email, phone calls, social media, or rather, the lack of them. There are, of course, any number of explanations for why someone might ghost another person. More often, it's because there is some difficult truth that's too hard or uncomfortable to say. Regardless of the reasons, it's the fact that the explanations are never given that makes it a ghosting. In dating relationships, ghosting is the ending of a relationship by stopping all communication without warning or reason. In the workplace, it might look like not replying to emails or phone calls. In a family, it could strike as silence between siblings or between parents and adult children. Even trickling down into a breakdown in the relationship between grandparents and grandchildren. The absence of birthday cards and gifts. A gaping hole in family photographs. An empty chair at Thanksgiving or Christmas. And with friends, it might show up as either complete radio silence or as plans for gatherings that somehow always seem to fall through. Whatever the reasons for the ghosting, more often than not they involve the desire to put some distance between the self and another, while avoiding the uncomfortable situation of having to talk about it. And so, to avoid it, all that a modern-day ghost needs to give is their silence and their absence. A person's silence is an interesting thing, though. It appears at first to be merely the absence of something. The absence of emails, phone calls, texts. The absence of a person's presence. Silence is something even less than the sum of those three dots that appear on a phone screen at the end of a text chain, signaling that your correspondent is replying, only to then disappear and never reappear. Silence is nothing you can grasp or really even manage because it doesn't have a shape or substance of its own. It's the absence of form, namely the form of the person who has ghosted you and the substance of a conversation with them and the corresponding relationship that is formed in the space between you and them through the words that bridge the distance between you. Silence seems like nothing at all. But the effect of silence is so far from nothing, it may as well shout. While those doing the ghosting usually have reasons for ghosting that they can recall and articulate, those who have been ghosted aren't privy to those reasons. And it's the lack of reasons and articulation that those who have been ghosted find so hard to deal with. The lack of reasons for the breakdown in the relationship can lead to a kind of grief and in particular, the grief of ambiguous loss. Ambiguous loss is the grief experienced not by something as specific as the death of a loved one, but from the loss of connection with someone you love, 
a friend, a family member, a lover, a colleague. Part of the difficulty of this kind of loss is its lack of clarity, the confusion over its causes, the haziness of its parameters. There are no defined edges, and therefore, no clear steps through it. Those clearly defined stages of grief aren't able to chart a path through a thicket of ambiguous loss. For the one who has been ghosted, it is often only questions that remain. Questions without any answers, which are some of the hardest kinds of questions to have circling in your mind for days, months, or years. What did I do wrong? Could I have done something differently? They lead to a perpetual sense of unease, disquiet. Silence is hardly nothing. Recent studies on the perception of silence, actual literal silence, have found that silence is not merely the absence of sound, but it is something that exists and that is perceived in the same way that the mind perceives sound. Silence speaks its own language and has its own shape and substance. The way the researchers tested the perception of silence was like this. Subjects were enveloped in periods of ambient noise that were then interrupted by silences. The subject's responses to both the sounds and the silences shows that people perceive silence as its own kind of sound, not just the absence of noise. It holds its own significance. There can be meaning in silence, just as in sound. A person who has been ghosted already knows this is true, perhaps in a negative way. But the results of the study suggest that this can also be true in a more positive sense. Regardless, the experience of being ghosted and the grief that can arise from it can leave you wishing for the good old-fashioned ghosts of yesteryear, who at least had the decency to show up and haunt. When I was in college, I became friends with a woman a number of decades older than I was. Her name was Polly Peacock. We would sometimes go driving around suburban Atlanta to look at the bloated new mansion springing up on lots the size of postage stamps. And when she'd drop me back home, she'd tell me not to be a stranger. And then she'd say, call me. If you don't, I'll haunt you before driving off. Polly Peacock's haunting was the opposite of a 21st century ghosting. It was a promise to show up regularly, insistently, rather than disappear. I'll be honest with you, my interest in this subject of ghosting is personal. I have both ghosted and been ghosted, and I have found both deeply unsatisfying. Both result in grief. 
and both in their turn have left me feeling very hollow. I don't want to be a ghost. At least, not the kind that disappears. Silence is something with just as much presence and substance as sound. Which leads me to think, just as we can ask ourselves, what kind of presence do you wish to have? What kind of sounds will you fill your ears with? Perhaps we should ask something similar of our silences. Maybe there is more generative possibility in the silence we may find ourselves in than we can see at first. This is certainly the case in a story from One Kings. The ghost in question was the prophet Elijah, who ran away in order to avoid, at the very least, a difficult conversation with Queen Jezebel, but more likely the threat of death by her hand. It was a pretty classic 21st century ghost move. And in the absence he created, in the silence he made, God showed up and asked him, What are you doing here, Elijah? In the conversation, the Lord told Elijah to leave his hiding place and stand out on a mountain and wait for the presence of the Lord. The encounter goes like this before Elijah even left his hiding spot. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. This is an old-school ghost move, by the way, the old sheet-over-the-head trick, but instead of a sheet, Elijah used his cloak. He's still trying to ghost. Then a voice said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? He was very afraid. He could die, or worse, be killed. It was the ancient Near Eastern equivalent of a nightmare work situation. Ghosting seemed like the most reasonable course of action, certainly to him and to me, if I'm being honest, and maybe to you as well. But in this situation, in the middle of Elijah's ghosting, the Lord tells him to run back where he came from, to show up, to trust God, to not ghost. Or if he is going to ghost, he better be the kind of ghost like Polly Peacock, one that shows up rather than disappears. And God knows something about ghosts, of course. This being the God who, when Jesus told his disciples he had to return to his Father in heaven, didn't leave his silence or his absence, but left the presence of his Holy Spirit, which in some translations is called the Holy Ghost. He ghosts them in the best possible way, filling the silence with his presence, leaving them not without him, but with his spirit, his ghost, the comforter.
If we do ghost, maybe it's better to be the kind that shows up rather than runs away. And if we find ourselves on the receiving end of a ghosting, maybe it's worth asking ourselves, who is the one who can fill this absence? Who can use any silence? Who can turn a nothing, nowhere place we may find ourselves in and create something good out of it? Perceptions Podcast.